Band of Brothers is the story of the soldiers of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne Division, men who parachuted into Normandy on D-Day and prepared the way for the Allied invasion of what the Germans called Festung Europa, Fortress Europe, and then fought their way through France, Belgium, and Germany, prevailed in the horrible fighting around Bastogne in the Battle of the Bulge during the bitterly cold winter of 1944 and 45, and uncovered the horrors of Nazi concentration camps. The book by Stephen Ambrose, along with the HBO miniseries, is a powerful testament to those who reluctantly went to war to deliver the world from tyranny, many of whom never came home. The story begins with these men in parachute infantry training at Camp Tacoa, Georgia. Easy Company's commanding officer was a man named Herbert Sobel, who was, for the most part, remembered with contempt by his own men. Sobel never won their respect. He used his authority to intimidate, to demean, to threaten, and to humiliate the recruits. He led by fear rather than example, according to Richard Winters, who would go on to take command of Easy Company in the midst of battle. Winters, whose family was rooted in the Mennonite tradition of the Christian faith, was someone, on the other hand, who earned the respect of the same men. How did he do this? He didn't berate them or bully them. He didn't threaten them. Instead, he came alongside them. He challenged them. He helped them. He encouraged them. And he never asked them to do anything that he himself would not do. He slept in foxholes with them. He suffered with them. He held them as they died. Richard Winters had command presence, that elusive quality that is revealed under fire. His men would do anything for him. They loved him and they trusted him. Talking about those things that make a leader, Winters would later write, if you can, find that peace within yourself that peace and quiet and confidence that you can pass on to others so that they know you are honest and you are fair and will help them no matter what when the chips are down. There are two kinds of authority. One kind of authority comes from above. It looks down. It puts down. It holds down. Those who lead from above want those beneath them to make them look good. 
those below them are a threat to their authority. Those below them are useful only to the degree that they can be used and abused. The other kind of authority comes from below. It does not look down. It looks eye to eye. It does not put down. It does not hold down. It lifts up. Those who lead from below do not expect others to make them look good. Instead, they make those they lead look good. Such is the authority described by Paul in Philippians 2 verses 1 to 13. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, he says, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. But wait a minute, you say. He's not talking about the workplace. He's not talking about running a business. He's not talking about leading an organization. He's not talking about running a corporation or coaching a team or leading a country. He's talking about the church, you say. He's talking to Christians. Yes, he's talking to Christians in Philippi 2,000 years ago. He's talking to them about their life together. Be of one mind, he tells them. If there is any encouragement in you from Christ, if there is any love, if you have any compassion, and the word in Greek is the word for viscera, for the bowels, your guts, the place from which it was said, mercy comes. If you have this, think of others before yourself. Do this, he says, and you will make my joy complete. But Paul is talking about more than their life together in the church. He is talking to them about a way of life and a way of living, a way of being in the midst of a real world. Paul connects their life to the life of Christ, who exercised authority not from the top down, but from the bottom up, not from a throne, but from the cross. Have the same mind as Christ, Paul says, who, though he was equal with God, did not cling to this, but instead emptied himself, became nothing in the eyes of the world, and died a humiliating death on a cross. And having taken the lowest place, he was lifted up, his authority revealed in resurrection, and his humility on the cross vindicated. Given all this, Paul tells the Philippians, 
Put into action God's saving work in your lives. Live reverently in the midst of life as the ground shakes under your feet. Climb down to lift others up. Those who exalt themselves, Jesus said, will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Paul says the same thing, only from the other side of the cross and the resurrection, looking back. Don't look down on each other. Don't look down on anyone. You've been lifted up with Christ. So reach down and lift others up. In today's gospel text, the chief priests and the elders of the people stop Jesus as he enters the temple and they challenge his authority. By what authority do you do these things? They ask him. And who gave you this authority? The chief priests and the elders whose authority comes from the top down see Jesus, whose authority comes from emptying himself into the lives of people as a threat. What is the threat? Jesus hangs around with the sick, the unclean, the broken, the crippled, the rejected, and the neglected, the sinners, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes. Those Robert Capon calls the last, the lost, and the least. Those whose authority comes from putting people down and holding them down are threatened by the authority of someone who enters the world of forgotten people. The people said of Jesus, he speaks with authority, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. When the priests and elders asked Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? Jesus asks them a question, and with that question, puts them in a quandary. By what authority was the baptism of John, he asks. With that question, he exposes their motive, which is to preserve their own power. If we say it was from God, he will ask us why we did not believe. But if we say it was merely human, the people who believe John was a prophet will hurt us. So we'll tell him we don't know. Then I won't tell you by what authority I act, Jesus answers them. And then he goes on to tell them a story that makes clear that the people beneath them will get into the kingdom of God ahead of them. Again, the last shall be first, the high and mighty will be brought down, and the undeserving at the bottom will be lifted up. Such a strange world, this kingdom of God. In the real world, more often than not, people suck up to power and they suck up to the powerful. They will do anything. They will say anything 
to get hold of and to keep power. People will keep their mouths shut in the face of evil, or they will lie. They will say anything. They will believe anything if it gets them more power over others. But Jesus turns this upside down. You shall know the truth, he says, and the truth shall set you free. Real leaders tell the truth. Real leaders, Max Dupree says, define reality. They do not create another reality from lies in the interest of holding on to their power. Real leaders give their power away. Real leaders empty themselves into the lives of those they love. Truth, it turns out, is unsettling. Truth is a threat to those who cling to authority from the top down. And humility reveals the greatest truth of all. Who can you trust? Who will you follow? In God's strange upside-down economy, follow those who climb down and lift up, not those who climb up and push down. In our story from Exodus, the Israelites questioned the authority of Moses in the wilderness. They complained about everything. Moses had brought them out into the desert and they were thirsty. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our animals with thirst, they asked him. Living as slaves in Egypt, their overseers had always provided what they needed. Here in the desert, things were different. Freedom is terrifying. That's why people sometimes choose known hells over unknown heavens. At least hell is familiar. Better to be slaves in Egypt than die of thirst in the desert. Then God breaks open a rock to the undeserving and water gushes out. There is an interesting detail in the Exodus story. Exasperated and exhausted, trying to lead these ungrateful people, Moses cries out to the Lord, What am I supposed to do with these people? They're ready to kill me. God tells Moses, and here's the detail. Grab your staff, the symbol of your authority, and stand behind me then let go of it. In other words, don't stand in front of me. Don't get out in front of me, Moses. Stand behind me. Humbly stand behind me, and I will break open that rock and deliver your people from death. Stand in front of me, and you might get killed, and your people will die. Stand behind me, and I will deliver you. Don't climb up, climb down. Don't think you alone can do this. 
Don't think you alone have to do this. Stand behind me. Trust me. Don't cling to your staff. Don't cling to your authority. Let go, and I will reveal your authority. The psalmist says that the Lord splits rocks open in the wilderness, made streams come out of the rock, caused waters to flow down like rivers, and saved his people. All because Moses let go. These days we find ourselves in the midst of very difficult times. Much of the difficulty is of our own making. Lingering racism surfaces from the darkness inside us. A pandemic has killed more than 200,000 Americans since January. Some of our leaders appeal to our worst instincts, our fears, our hatred, our greed. And on top of all that, it's an election year. We are desperate for leadership, so desperate that some of us will believe anything. Reality itself is now up for grabs. We are again being seduced by the empty promises of authoritarianism. Many years ago, in another election year, the columnist Sidney J. Harris wrote that in our desperation, we look for a Messiah to save us. But what we are looking for, he says, I am afraid, is neither a true leader nor a true Messiah, but a false Messiah, someone who will give us oversimplified answers, who will justify our ways, who will castigate our enemies, who will vindicate our selfishness as a way of life and make us comfortable within our own prejudices and preconceptions. Sounds familiar. We are tempted to look for a leader who will pander to our worst instincts, who will lead us from the top down, someone who will tell us what we want to hear, though none of it is true. The gospel is that God in Christ climbed down into the mess we have made of our lives and told us the truth about ourselves, reminded us who we were created to be, showed us that grabbing and clinging to power is not all that it's cracked up to be. And in the cross showed us that real authority comes not from the top, but from the bottom. That real authority is revealed in humility. That in the end, it is those who humble themselves who will be lifted up. And having been lifted up, will lift others up. If you can, Dick Winters said, find that peace within yourself, that peace and quiet and confidence that you can pass on to others so that they know you are honest and you are fair and will help them no matter what when the chips are down.
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, Paul says, but instead, in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have the same mind as Christ, who, though he was equal with God, did not think of this as something to grasp, to hang on to, but to let go. So may it be for us. God, give us the grace to climb down and to lift up. For in this, only in this, is true authority. Amen.